Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. On today's episode, I got the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation that was long overdue, in my opinion, with a fellow podcaster, uh, Megan Carranza. Megan has a podcast called Adventures in Autism, where she does just that. She shares every bit of the adventure with her son, Logan, who is seven years old, kind of how we're all dealing with COVID in our own way. Um, she she mentions doing her IEP with her son and his providers uh, virtually, and she goes into a little bit more detail, I think, on her own podcast. We also talk about, you know, why she decided to start her podcast back in September of 2018 and why she wanted to publicly share her journey through this very puzzling, very uh, confusing disorder with her son and her other two children. She has two little girls, uh, ages four and two that add to the probably chaos of her daily life. So please enjoy my conversation with Megan. So today's guest on the podcast, I feel like has been a long time coming. Um, (laughs) For those of you that follow any podcasts at all, I'm sure you've heard of Megan Carranza and her Adventures in Autism podcast that's been around a couple of years now. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thank you so much for having me, Lori, and for that warm introduction. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I feel like we've known each other a long time because I've listened to your voice for a really long time, and Aww. it was great finally getting to actually meet you face-to-face virtually, I guess, um, on our mom podcasting um, Zoom call that we had a few weeks ago, which was really cool. That was so much fun. We have to do that again. That was awesome. I know. For sure. We're all in the same boat here. Yes, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) For those listeners that don't know you, um, shame on them. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) If you haven't listened to Megan's podcast or or follow her on Instagram and know her story, her son Logan is seven and is on the Uh spectrum. And Megan, do you want to just share a little bit about his diagnosis and kind of where he's progressed in the last seven years? Yeah, absolutely. So Logan... It's interesting with him because he, I feel like, especially after having the podcast and talking with so many people, it seems like he got diagnosed a little bit later. He had just turned four, but there's so many people I talk to now that are like, they have their kids diagnosed at two or even earlier. Whereas with Logan at that point, when he was at that age, we really were just concerned about a speech delay. We didn't necessarily see a lot of like behaviors, so to speak. He did like a little bit of toe walking and hand flapping, but he was always just like the happiest, most easygoing, sweetest baby. And I mean, we just fell so completely in love with him. My husband and I, we got pregnant a month after our wedding. So we very quickly, <laughs> yeah, we went from, you know, husband and wife hunting with face to mom and dad very quickly, but it honestly, it couldn't have been better because he was just like this angel baby. And he, I just, from the moment he was born, I knew that he was meant to be mine and he just really completed our lives. 
So it wasn't until he was about like 18 months old that I started to, well, I shouldn't say that. It was probably about actually on his first birthday that I was like, I don't think that he's talking as much as he should be. Um, I had been a nanny for like 10 years. My younger brother had a speech delay. So I didn't really know much about the situation, but I knew enough to be like, Hmm, this, this might be something. So, you know, I had brought it up to his pediatrician and because he was like so happy and engaged overall, he just wasn't showing a lot of signs for really anything, but especially, I mean, autism was like the furthest thing from our radar. But then at his 18 month appointment, I was still having these concerns. I had, you know, continually brought them up to her. And I finally, I really kind of pushed to say I wanted to have him evaluated by early intervention. So we started early intervention at 20 months and we did speech and OT and he did a year with early intervention, which was great. He, he really enjoyed therapy. He was really good, you know, all throughout his sessions. We did, we would hear a lot more words for him during session, but it wasn't like he was using those words consistently. So there would be sessions where he would say like four or five new words and then we wouldn't hear them. So I honestly, I think it was probably around the time that he was three, he had aged out of EI and we had started school in the district when my wheels really started turning and I thought, okay, does is this a speech delay or is this more? It probably was a little bit before that. It's honestly, it's so hard to like think back on these times mm-hmm. because I mean, you probably know, especially because your son's so much older, like it's all so foggy in there. And even though like, it's something I talk about a lot. Like I, I I'm always like thinking in my head, like when, when did I have this feeling? Cause a lot of times, especially, you know, when you're in like a grieving sort of a state, you do kind of block it out. <laughs> like you, yeah. you sort of like, you have these memories like kind of buried deep down. And I know for sure I had thought to myself uh, definitely a few times, like, could Logan have autism? But I, I was really scared. I was really scared that that was going to be what it was. And it was finally around the time that he was three, that it was like, I really came to terms with it. And my husband and I both, you know, really wanted to like seek this diagnosis. And once we decided to seek the diagnosis, we pretty much had made up our minds that it was autism. So unfortunately I live in Chicago. The wait times are ridiculous to get in with. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky because we have like good services here and there's a lot available, but especially for kids that are younger, like at the time, all the doctors that I was talking to were telling me that they don't see kids until they're at least six, which is insane to me. And that was like, I had a lot of uh, professionals, like his pediatrician, even his, um, like the coordinators at school, his therapist, were all telling me to wait till he was closer to kindergarten age because it just, like, again, he didn't necessarily exhibit a ton of signs for autism. It's funny now that time has gone on. I feel like he, I was just talking about this with somebody else. Like, like a lot of the things that he used to do like very occasionally or rarely are things that he now does like more often. So Mm -hmm. at this point, like the, you know, he's like, obviously on the spectrum. Whereas when he was younger, it was not like the speech was the main catalyst for everything. And any behaviors that we saw were kind of few and far between. And it just made it a little bit harder to kind of get people to sort of take us seriously in terms of getting this diagnosis. But once we had the appointment set, we had an eight month wait, which was really terrible. (laughs) Just waiting and you know, your mind is racing. I, the whole time I kept trying to get him in sooner with another doctor, but again, like nobody would, would see him or there wouldn't check our insurance. It was just like a lot of brick walls. So finally we took him to be diagnosed and 
uh, I mean, that day was definitely hard. There was a lot of tears. My husband and I cried a lot. Um, but then the next day I truly, the next day I woke up and I was just like, all right, we got a game plan. We got to get things moving. So, you know, I made a ton of phone calls and we were able to start ABA therapy about six months later. Again, we had a total, like a crazy wait for that, mm-hmm. and just, you know, paperwork and meetings and getting things set up. So he started, he started ABA. Um, yeah, like about six months after he got the diagnosis. So we've been doing ABA now for like two and a half, almost three years. And he really has made a ton of progress in that time. So like I said, or like you said, he's seven now. And I mean, he's potty trained, he can dress himself. We're really working in ABA a lot of like kind of, you know, functional sort of basic like self-care needs, working on like showering independently, kind of our, our dinner time routine of like, you know, sitting through dinner, using your fork, clearing your plate, stuff like that. So he's made, he's made tons of progress. He is nonverbal. So for the most part, he doesn't really use words. He has a good amount of words and he uses them somewhat consistently, but mostly he uses a speech device and he's had that since the beginning of this past school year. Uh, and he does great with that. The device has really opened up a ton of new language for him not just like with technology, but even just using words too. He's able to kind of mimic a lot better when he he hears it on his device. He uses touch chat. Yeah. It's an iPad. It's an iPad and he uses touch chat as the program. It's touch chat 60. Um, and we're still, I mean, honestly, like very early in the process of, of using the device, even though we've been using it for several months now it's it's does your son use a device I can't remember no I mean we have done it all we've done okay. text we did the big Mac yeah. years ago the iPad okay. he he understands I think to do it but I think it it was more pushing the buttons was fun and then okay. some of the voices on there the robotic uh-huh. voices it, he doesn't it just kind of like with pecs being stick figures and things he doesn't yeah. resonate with those voices he doesn't understand those yeah. people mm-hmm. so yeah I get it. I mean, I think somebody had said to me when we first started that using the device is like learning a new language. And that has definitely proven to be true because I mean, for all of us involved, for, for Logan, for our family, his therapy team, we've all really had to learn. And thankfully we just recently got a private speech, um, SLP to like come to the house and work with us. We were having issues with insurance and just finding someone to kind of fit in our schedule because we do ABA so often and with school and everything. Although not now. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's been hard to just kind of find a way to, to sort of fit it in. So we were really lucky kind of before all the COVID stuff happened, we had found this awesome speech therapist and she came for a few sessions in person. And then we had to, you know, kind of put everything to a halt, but we're still doing like teletherapy with her and even just having her for these last couple months, kind of helping us, you know, sort of navigate the device has been awesome. So he did do packs for a long time before he started the device. And in the first year of, of packs, like it, he really didn't make a ton of progress. Like he would use it kind of occasionally, but then once we started ABA, they, his BCBA made him a PEX book. And then we were kind of setting that back and forth to school. So it was like his kindergarten year that yep. he really started to fly in terms of using his PEX and was really using it in like a very functional way to communicate his needs. So at that point, because he had gotten so much better with it, we were like, okay, it's time to move on now to the device because he just, he needed access to more words. He was getting really creative. It was cute. He would like 
if he wanted something and he didn't have the, the pecs for it, the picture, like there, he went through this phase where he really liked ham, but we didn't have a pecs for ham. So he would just give me the pink pecs. Like it was just the color pink with <laughs> a little circle. That's smart. Um, yeah, totally. And then there, there were these like muffins that he liked. So he would give me the brown. Like he just, he would associate like the colors with different things. So he, I mean, he's such a smart cookie. And it's so, it's so fun to see like how, how his, his mind works when I get like these little glimpses into it. It just makes me so happy. So having the device now, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's been a journey and we're still at the beginning of it, but we're very excited and we're really seeing improvement from him like every day. That just shows you how, I mean, we all know it already, but how smart our kids are. And oh, totally. it's, I cannot imagine you know, for us, it's been 17 years of not a single mm -hmm. word, but I can't imagine how frustrating that must be to know what you want and to know, you know, when we're asking for something to, to be able to answer us, but you can't, like, you just can't get it out. I, I just it's, cannot fathom the amount I like to talk. I cannot imagine not being able to talk. <laughs> I was just going to say, especially for, for you and me, people who, you know, we're, we're, it's like, we probably talk more than anybody as podcasters and to, to think, and, and I've always been that way. Like when I was growing up in school, like all my report cards were like, Megan is a great student, but she's a chatty Kathy. Like Social it's just, butterfly. It's, yeah. It's like <laughs> talking has always been kind of like my, my strength and my weakness. And so, I mean, Logan has taught me so, so much, but I mean, that's something that I, I, I it's just constantly on my mind that like, if I wasn't able to express myself, you know, like with my voice, I just, I don't know how I would do it. And then it's like, I see him and he is just like the most joy filled child. And it truly, I mean, it's just, it's such a testament that like love needs no words because it, it really is incredible what can be conveyed without the words. I mean, the words are great. And it's like, we always want the words, but it's, it really is amazing when, you know, you just kind of like listen to emotion, what you can understand. Yeah. Even their body language and all of those things. Yeah. So knowing that you're a mom of two other children as well, you have mm -hmm. two little girls, um, that are neurotypical. How, mm -hmm. how do they interact with Logan? Meaning, I mean, are they teaching him, I guess, Liliana being four, she probably mm -hmm. more so than your youngest, but does she teach him things or does Logan actually show her some things growing up? I think it's a little bit of both for sure. I think that Liliana is like, they had said to me when Logan was diagnosed, they were like, she's going to be his best little therapist. And that has proven to be so, so true. She is really just remarkable in how much she understands and even things that she doesn't fully like grasp the concept of, she's still able to like put into motion just so much like love and compassion for her brother. And she really is like so helpful with him too, because again, I mean, we're working on like, you know, his independence and these kind of functional life skills, but he definitely still needs help with things. And I mean, I can, I can ask her to like help me with stuff. And she, not only does she do it, but she wants to do it. She wants to help. She wants to <laughs> be a part of it. So one of the things that we did, especially this past year was really incorporating her into his ABA sessions. So like every session they do always like some kind of game. A lot of times it's like, you know, connect four or some kind of like turn taking. So it's like, he's working on, you know, his social skills and turn taking. He's not really one that likes to wait very much. So, you know, learning to wait your turn, that's important. Um, and it's great because she gets to play with her brother in a, like a functional way that she really craves. 
and also, you know, he, she's helping him too. So it's like, they, they're really both getting something from that. But it's so funny. Cause like, I mean, even just like day to day at home, like if I'm telling him, you know, Logan, come get your shoes. And he's not listening to me. She will like take his hand and bring him to his shoes. And she, I mean, sometimes honestly, we'll go even as far to like sit him down and try to like start helping him put on his shoes. It's so, it's so sweet. Um, yeah, she's, she's incredible. Um, and she really like fully, I, well, I shouldn't say fully because she's only four, but I, I think she really does understand autism. Like we use the word autism. We talk about therapy. She talks about all this like really freely. And that has been so incredible to see. And it's like, there's times when I have mom guilt. I mean, I have mom guilt like all the time, but <laughs> there's times with her where I feel like, oh my gosh, like, am I, you know, putting too much on her? Like she already has such a, a kind of different life than a typical four-year-old because even though, you know, she herself doesn't have autism, it's like autism is, is everywhere in our home. Um, but then it's like the moments like that, where I see her helping him and I, I really step back and I can see the full picture. I realized that she has gained so much from this too, because I just think, you know, her empathy and compassion is like so far ahead of most four-year-olds because of what she has seen her whole life. So that's just like definitely a, a proud mom moment for sure. And then with Layla, I think that she is, she, what she shows Logan is like, and this is, Liliana was like this too when she was really little, is she just kind of like sort of bulldozes her way into his world. Like he's kind of happy doing his own thing and occasionally will we'll want to pull them in, but he definitely does a lot of stuff solo. Whereas like if Layla wants to play with him, like she's just like rushing up and like strong arming her way in there. And like, she doesn't care <laughs> that, you know, he's kind of like, I don't want this or like showing him things. Like the other day I put a new shirt on her. It was like a Elsa shirt. And she went up to him and she was like, Logan, look, Elsa. Like she was so excited to show her shirt. And I mean, he, like, he probably didn't care that much, but still it's like, she's so excited about it. It's like that really mm -hmm. got his attention for a moment. So stuff like that, I think is, is so it's, it's, it's just like, it's little stuff, but it really is so beneficial, especially for Logan, because again, he does do a lot of stuff solo. So it's like the girls just sort of like force him kind of out of his shell, so to speak sometimes. And mm -hmm. they're always like dancing and they want to have dance parties and they want to have him come and dance with them. And it's funny too, because in the past, like just year or so that was actually on his IEP. We just talked about this as far as like strengths and challenges. One of the things that I said was his strength. I feel like even just at home, he's gotten more social with us. Mm -hmm. Like there's times when, you know, like we're all watching a movie and in those times before, like Logan might've run out of the room and wanted to do his own thing. But it's like, he's actually sitting with us now and kind of enjoying the movie or like when we're having a dance party, he maybe isn't there the whole time, but he's, he's observing and he's participating a little bit. And I can definitely see the shift in that and that he's just like becoming more social, even with us. It's so cool though, because, you know, as you had mentioned before, you know, the girls, this is all they know because mm -hmm. Logan's obviously the oldest child. And yeah. not only do our kids learn empathy at a young age that they carry through forever, um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's so great for Logan and the girls because they, like you said, you know, Layla going up to him and showing him her mm -hmm. shirt, they don't recognize any differences at all. They just treat no. him like their brother and they don't, you know, tiptoe around him or anything like that. And it's good for mm -hmm. Logan to have that interaction with other kids as his first interaction with other kids, really, before he went to school, that mm -hmm. he, he's no different. And 
they shouldn't be treated any different. And it's just, mm -hmm. I just wish that every kid had an opportunity to be, you know, intertwined with a child on the spectrum or any child with special needs at a very early age. So they go through school years, not making a big deal about it. You I know, that it's just not more. different. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. It would, it would be nice. Did your husband and you have um, a difficult time deciding whether to have more children after Logan? I get asked that question a lot of having a, a two year gap between my kids and, you know, whether I really mm -hmm. wrestled with getting pregnant again after Skylar or not. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always curious about other families, you know, if you had that big decision or if you didn't decide it at all and God just chose that you would have another child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that I get asked a lot too. And it comes up on my show and I always think it's really interesting to hear, you know, just everyone's different experiences. So when Logan, when, when we got pregnant with Liliana, she was like a hundred percent plan. Uh, he was like two and a half. So he was in EI at the time and he was doing like speech and OT, but again, we weren't necessarily thinking autism at that point. Um, so, and we really wanted to give him a sibling. So that was never like really a question. Although it's funny because I still remember when I was pregnant with Liliana, I had gone to, you know, some kind of ultrasound and it was like, Oh, everything looks good. Like everything's, you know, developing normally and whatnot. And then my husband and I were having a conversation and I was saying something about, oh, well, you know, with her, I want to make sure I do like this, this, and this. And Manny was like, well, you know, with her, it's like, we, there's probably a lot of stuff that we want to do differently. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, he's like, we want to make sure that we're, you know, on top of it with like teaching her language and blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him and I was like, do you think this is like, because of something that we did, like, what do you, where is this coming from? So it's funny because I mean, and I think he's, he's obviously let go of that now, but I think for a long time, especially before Logan was diagnosed, I think Manny had this, this feeling that like, you know, Logan wasn't talking because of something that we had done or that we didn't do, I should say. Um, so after we had Liliana, we were actually really content to just be, you know, a family of four. We had a boy and a girl. We were so happy. And then when she was one, that's when Logan was diagnosed. And really, honestly, that that whole first year of her life was us pretty much waiting for the diagnosis or, you know, seeking the diagnosis, um, which was definitely a stressful time. That was a that was a really tough year because he was really starting to kind of exhibit more behaviors that were concerning, especially like right after we had her, I just think that, you know, big life change of having a new baby in the house was a lot for him, especially because she was colicky and mm. literally screamed like all night long, all day long, always. So it was a lot for all of us. There was a lot of, a lot of stress going on. Um, but then, like I said, she was a year old when he was diagnosed and we were kind of like, okay, we're done. We honestly had always planned on having two. So it was not really something that we even considered. And then uh, it was like, not even, not very long after, cause I was about, she, Liliana was like 18 months old when I got pregnant with Layla. Uh, she was a big surprise and she really <laughs> rocked our world. And honestly, like it, it, it took both of us a couple of weeks to like really sort of come around to it. Um, cause I was scared. I was thinking like, you know, what if we had another child in the spectrum? Like, what would that look like for us? And just in general, I felt, I felt very like stretched thin with just the two of them. So mm -hmm. I didn't know how, how life was going to look with three kids. Um, honestly, like the joke's on me because Layla has just fit into our family, like 
nothing else. She is <laughs> an angel. She's amazing. She did not miss a beat from the time she was born. She, um, she was in the NICU for like a week. She was born a little early and she had some breathing issues. So that was another like big surprise because, you know, third time mom, you feel like you have everything sort of figured <laughs> out. And then it was yeah. like, oh, now you've got like this NICU stay. Um, so just from, from the moment she was born, she was just like such a blessing to us. And she has continued to be that. There's a joke in our family that she's my favorite and I will not <laughs> confirm or deny that. Um, but she is, she's just incredible. So I, I know that's a really, it's, it's a really personal thing, you know, whether you want to expand your family after you have a child, you know, that's diagnosed. Um, and I, I totally understand people's, you know, thoughts either way. If you're like, you know, there's a lot in our plates, like we, we want to be done. Or if you're like, no, I have room in my heart to love another child. And I think like, there's, there's kind of no wrong answer. It just has to be like, what's right for you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, my only comment to people too, is just make sure that you and your spouse are on the same page, because if somebody Uh really doesn't want another child yet, and you know, you maybe do, it's just going to cause so much more stress in your relationship that, Mm-hmm. I, I just wouldn't want that on anyone, especially dealing with special needs child. And then all that other added stress, uh, it just, it seems yeah. like a lot. So For that sure. would not be good. Mm-hmm. Well, so with three little ones, um, you decide to uh, start a podcast because <laughs> you have nothing else to do. <laughs> so what made you decide to start <laughs> yeah, that? Right. I mean, because <laughs> Layla had, hadn't been, had she been born yet or she was very little when you started? She was just a few months old. Yeah. yeah. She was like four or five months old when I started <laughs> the show. I know I am so nuts. Um, so I, right after Logan was diagnosed, I've always really enjoyed listening to podcasts. And after he was diagnosed, I thought, oh, I should look for an autism podcast. And I was really surprised at the lack of podcasts there were about autism. And the ones, especially at that time, the ones that I, I could find were like hosted by doctors and they were just, you know, more like medical, which is great. There was good info, but you know, just kind of like stiff or stuffy. And then like the other shows that I was finding were like out of production. So it's like, you know, they weren't necessarily up to date. And I just kind of had this like fleeting moments, this thought of like, Oh, I should start a podcast. But like, I had absolutely no idea how to do that. And, you know, I had like a newly diagnosed child. So I was still kind of just like finding my footing with everything. So I kind of shelved it, but it was always in the back of my mind. And then New Year's uh, 2018, I just was like, okay, this is the year. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start the podcast. I was pregnant with Layla. um, And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. And so it was like September of 2018 you know, we were kind of getting into like the last quarter of the year and I was just like, you know what? It's now or never like Mm -hmm. just figure it out and do it and just see what happens. Um, so I did, I just like recorded that first episode, like in one take and it's just us telling our, me telling my story (laughs) of, you know, having Logan being diagnosed and just kind of a little more detailed of, of our lives at that point. And I was really just blown away by really right away, how many people were reaching out to me and just telling me how, how much they were enjoying the show and how they'd been looking for a show like this. So I realized that the podcast was needed and I was just like, you know what, we got to just keep going with it. So yeah, at this point, um, it's been like, it'll be two years in September. So 
it's, it's been quite a while now. Um, and it's honestly, it's been such a, a blessing in my life. I'm sure you probably feel the same way, but it's like, I, it, it's just as like, you know, helpful and educational and cathartic for me to like do the show as it is for people that listen to it. I have a lot of people that will tell me like, oh my gosh, your show is like my therapy. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> when I talk to, you know, my guests every week, it's like, that's sort of my, my time to, you know, just kind of like check out with other stuff. I'm definitely a creative driven person. So it's like, I need a creative outlet. So the show has really given that to me and that's been really nice. Um, and it's also just been so amazing to like make these connections with people all over the world, but even just, I, like, I have friends now locally who have kids in the spectrum that I, I didn't have before, and I connected with through the podcast, and it's like, they're my good friends now, so that's been just such a gift. Isn't that strange, too, because, I mean, your podcast, and there's still only, you know, less than 20, I think, of us, you know, yeah, there's there a that are actual parents um, podcasting or whatever about this topic, but, you know, listening to yours encouraged me and several of the others that we're friends with um, to start one too. And I, I started exactly a year after you. I didn't realize that yours was September 2018 <laughs> until I looked it up and mine was uh -huh. September of last year. But um, yeah, I mean, what's crazy to me at first when I, when I started mine, I thought, you know, if I, if I meet a few people with teenagers, you know, and older kids that I can connect with, that'd be great. But the amount of people that have just overwhelmingly, you know, reached out to me on Instagram or, you know, just friend requested mm -hmm. me and I'm following so many families and stories. I felt, I didn't realize how alone I felt until mm -hmm. now, until I have kind mm -hmm. of, you know, mass marketed our story and, and really just been yeah. an open book. People are mm -hmm. so kind and they're just so willing to share and talk about it. They mm -hmm. probably feel alone too. They had no totally. outlet to see. Like I knew yeah, I knew that I felt alone. Like I knew that I felt like the only person in the world who had these struggles. And I knew that I wasn't like, I mean, especially if you just look at the statistics of it, like I knew there was more people out there like me, but because I really didn't have any like in-person friends to talk mm -hmm. to, all my friends have typical kids. I really did feel like an island that, you know, I just, I, and I was craving that connection so badly. So like I said, doing the show has been, it's been wonderful to, to make these connections and knowing that, you know, other people are listening and then, you know, they're feeling less alone has been, it's, it really is just such a, such a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and we obviously feel a little bit alone right now because we're all in uh, stay at home quarantine orders, <laughs> but um, yes. I know that, you know, you, you were telling us the other night on zoom and also um, on your Instagram recently that you guys do a lot of driving, you do a lot of walking. We do the exact same thing with Skylar. And um, how have you managed with three little ones um, to deal with being at home and not having ABA other than through virtual sessions? And, um, mm -hmm. you know, is, is Logan bouncing off the walls? Is he doing okay with this? You know, when, when quarantine first started, he really surprised me with how well he was doing. And it was actually really nice because he, he, I mean, you know, like he works so hard. He never gets a break. He always has school or therapy or something going on. We do therapy six days a week. So, I mean, he has long days and normally when he has a break, he has a hard time. His anxiety is worse. Like his sort of, um, like hyperactivity, he has ADHD also. So he definitely, when he has idle time, that's when we kind of see like those more challenging behaviors come out. And for the first like few weeks of quarantine, 
he was doing great. And I was so happy because I'm like, this is like the first time in so many years that he's really gotten this break. And it's like so well-deserved and he seemed to be enjoying it and doing well. So I was just happy to kind of sit back and like sort of let him have this break. Um, but then like these past couple of weeks, we have definitely sort of seen him kind of start to go off the rails a little bit. Like when you said bouncing off the walls, that's like an understatement. He is just, I mean, he is like flying through this house all day long. Um, so like I said, he has ADHD. He is on medication. We had just started this sort of medication journey in January. So we have not found the right combo or <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. yet at this point. Like I, I literally texted my husband today and I'm like, these meds do nothing. <laughs> like they do absolutely nothing. And it's so funny because I'll talk to other people and they're like, oh, my son took that and it knocked him out. And I'm like, can I send you a video right now of what Logan's doing? <laughs> because <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's like having little to zero effect on him. Um, so that's been a challenge because he is just like, he's, he's so hyper that just that hyper energy, it it ends up kind of feeling like nervous energy. And then it's like the the house is just full of this nervous energy. So that's why, like, like I had said, we are definitely trying to get out of the house whenever we can taking long walks. We're discovering like all these new trails in our area, which has been fun. Unfortunately, I live in Chicago. We've had like tons of rain this past Mm -hmm. month. It's raining as we speak. So that's kind of where the drives have come in. Like if it's nice enough to get out and take a walk, we do that. But Logan does love being in the car. He always has. And for some reason, like that's the only time that he is really calm is when we're in the car. So we've taken full advantage of that during quarantine time. And I mean, we're driving like all over the place (laughs) Um, and he's really enjoyed it. So it was funny because just a couple weeks ago, my husband tagged me in a Facebook post and it was like our local paper was going to do a story on people taking leisurely drives during this, you know, the, the, the pandemic just as a way to like get out of the house. Mm-hmm. So my husband tagged me and he was like, you should, you know, let them know wh- what you've been doing every day. So I sent them a message with my contact info and I was just like, we're doing drives every day. Um, so just last week, the reporter called me and we did a, a little interview and she was like, oh, this is great. Send me some photos. And then the article came out yesterday and I was shocked because we were on the front page of the <laughs> I news, <saw> that. <laughs> which was so exciting. I knew the article was coming up, but I'm like, I did not know that we were going to be front page. So that was very exciting. Um, and just like a nice way to also, like I, I talked about Logan having autism and, you know, this time it's hard for all of us in a different way. We're all experiencing this in a different way, but mm-hmm. you know, kids with special needs and like autism, especially we, they thrive on their schedule and their routine. So it's yeah. like our world is upside down <laughs> for sure. Um, and just having, honestly, having that, that awareness out there for people to, to just read in the article. Like I, I talked about, like Logan has autism. We are definitely struggling without our routine. The picture is him wearing his, you know, noise canceling headphones. Yeah. Um, that made me really happy because I feel like I, I'm hearing a lot about, you know, the seniors that won't get to graduate, which is devastating. That's awful. Or, you know, the brides that have to reschedule their weddings. That's terrible. But I feel like in terms of like mainstream news, I don't think anyone is really thinking about the special needs kids that are like, their worlds are truly upside down. I mean, we are, you know, not even sure if we're going to go back to school in the fall. And it's like the, the possible regression that could be happening. And, you know, just like the increase in behaviors and such, like I, 
I wish that there was more, I feel like everyone always talks about like, oh, we don't need awareness. We need acceptance. And it's like, well, yes, we do need acceptance, but in order to get there, we need more awareness. And I just think that as a, as a whole, I wish that people were more aware of just kind of like the, the difficulty that there is right now for the special needs community. So I was really happy to just be in the article. It was super exciting, but also just kind of get to, you know, share our story and raise a little more awareness for autism, especially right now. For sure. And the irony was not lost on me and I'm sure not lost on you and other <laughs> autism families that, you know, the minute that the stay at home orders were issued and even now with everybody picketing and going crazy, you know, how can we ex be expected to isolate? How can we be expected to just change our routine and not go to work? And I'm just giggling to myself like, okay, you, you do realize now that you are living our daily life. This is what mm -hmm. happens to us every single day when something gets canceled out of the blue that our kids were planning on. And we have to try to explain to them why they can't go to this event because it's too loud or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. And also it was quite funny seeing I mean, I got to find humor in some things <laughs> when it's crazy, but <laughs> all of the um, pictures that were going around on the internet initially about proper hand washing with the diagrams and all of the stuff, oh, totally. I'm like, oh my God, I used to see those when Skylar was little and like, we were trying to teach him life skills. Like, oh, this yeah. is how you wash your hands. We have those in our bathroom. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, it's just yeah. like insane no, to me. So everyone's getting a funny. little small taste of a special needs world <laughs> during mm -hmm. this quarantine. Maybe they can accept and, and, and be a little bit more aware of other things around them that aren't just self-involved, self you know, how I it impacts so. them. I yeah. hope there's, you know, some good that comes from this. Mm -hmm. I would hope so. Well, you did, um, you told me that you did Logan's IEP virtually. So mm -hmm. I, I know everything's up in the air with schools and, and every state being different and what they're going to do. Yeah. But how does that work? I mean, do, mm -hmm. do you still set new goals for the year with his virtual therapy or, cause I think other so families that's... are probably experiencing this right now too. So yeah, totally. Um, I got a lot of questions about that too. So I know I'll, I'll, talk about it more in depth on my show. Um, so that has been kind of like, as his teacher said, like the hundred million dollar question. <laughs> um, I did sort of a little zoom chat with her a few days before just to kind of, or maybe the week before, just to kind of see where we're at in terms of that, because I mean, you know, not being able to really evaluate his goals. And I mean, he, he wasn't even the way that he has his goals set up is it's like, he has benchmarks throughout the year. So, you know, there's like benchmark A, B, C with the, the trimesters. So he had met benchmark A and B, but he had not even been evaluated yet for benchmark C. And there was a couple of the goals that she's like, he's so close to hitting this that I'm going to, we're going to roll over the goal, but then also put like a next step in, in his IEP. So that like when we, if we need to just amend that quickly, whenever he does hit that goal, then it's like, we kind of have the next one waiting. So one of them was like sight words. And he has a couple lists of sight words that he's trying to get through. And he's like almost all the way through the first one. So then we're like, okay, we're going to, you know, move on to the second one then. And when he masters that, then we'll come up with a new goal. So just kind of figuring out like what's sort of the best, the most appropriate way to, to handle it at this time. I mean, I think there, there isn't necessarily a right way to do this. We're all just kind of figuring it out and, you know, sort of flying by the seat of our pants at this point, just kind of figuring out what's the best way to handle it. So I always tell people, I think that, I mean, in general, if you can, you know, kind of pregame with their teacher beforehand, just to sort of get a handle on things, 
so the actual meeting itself is not really a surprise. So we did that and she had sent over a draft a few days before I looked over that. So there was nothing, you know, shocking in the meeting. Mm -hmm. Uh, the meeting itself, it looked a lot like our zoom chat that we did with, you know, the moms, there was like, (laughs) there was so many people. I think there was like 12 people on his, his meeting, which was a lot. Um, so I, I couldn't even fit them all on one screen. I had to, to swipe back and forth on my, my zoom screen. Um, but it was, it actually went better than I thought it would. I don't know how, how you guys do your IPs or anyone else listening, but typically when we first sit down, we go through starting with Logan's strengths and we write them all down on a whiteboard and everybody who works with him. So like his teacher, his speech therapist, his OT, the social worker, everyone who works with him kind of goes down their list and says what they feel are Logan's strengths. And then me and Manny also will put in our input. We, we also had his, his BCBA and his private speech therapist attended the meeting this year uh, virtually. So what we did this year was everybody had already just kind of written those out and they were on one document. So it was just like a screen share of the document. Everybody talked about what they felt Logan's strengths were. I was able to kind of add to the list if there was anything I felt they forgot Then we went through, you know, the challenges. Again, they all kind of went through their own personal challenges of what they've dealt with with Logan. I was able to give my input. Uh, And then we talked about the goals. And again, because I already kind of knew going into it, like I said, there wasn't really anything that was too surprising at all. Um, So it it worked out really well. I was lucky that they had already done a couple of virtual IEP meetings by the time we got to Logan's. So they were, they were pretty prepared on it, um, which was good. So I would say overall it went better than I would have thought it would when, when they first told me that they were going to be doing a you know, virtual IAP, I definitely rolled my eyes. and was like, how is that going to work? Like that just seems crazy, but you know, it's the world we're living in. So it we sounds had to like make you it a, work. a really supportive team in general, even if when you're doing them in person, I've heard mm-hmm. so many horror stories about IEPs where it's pretty much the documents already written and it's just handed out and, you know, not everyone attends and they just kind of tell you like, well, you know, your kid is excelling in these areas and not in these, and you mm-hmm. don't really have much input. It's just, they kind of say, we're going to work on this or your child has mastered these things. And I always struggled with that when they say he mastered, you know, feeding himself independently or whatever, and he's still not able to really do it consistently. And I, mm-hmm. I'm always not sure what the mastering part of it mm-hmm. is. Like, are you just saying that so you can move on to other goals or, <laughs> you know, are you kind of um, tired of doing that one? <laughs> yeah, really- yeah, totally. Uh, we have the best team. I honestly, like we are so, so blessed. I, I did not shed one tear the entire time until we got to the very end. And I cried just thanking the team because especially right now, like more than ever, I mean, I know we're reliant on our team and our people and to not have that face to face with them and interaction with them has been such an absence. Like it really has just felt it's, it's felt so different than how I would have even expected it to. I mean, we just, we genuinely miss them so much. Like Logan does a weekly zoom call with his, his class and he just lights up when he sees his teachers and his aides and his classmates. I mean, it's just like, it, it really is like such an absence. So like I said, that was the only time that I cried was just thanking them and telling them how much we miss them and hoping that we can, you know, get back to them in the fall. We are extremely lucky and that's not lost on me that we are because when I, same thing, when I hear people tell me these horror stories about just the negativity and I'll be honest, like I've had a couple issues like that where, where there's been, you know, somebody not now, um, on his team 
And I've had to say to them, like, look, you're talking about my baby here. Like, I understand this is your job and you're a professional and, you know, we're going to look at things in different ways, but I will literally say to them, like, I need you to take a different tone. Cause that just doesn't <laughs> yeah. fly with me. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, and usually people are, are pretty, are pretty understanding about that. Um, but I do think sometimes it is just like, you kind of have to set that precedence of like, this is how it's going to be. Um, and I definitely like, even now I, there's times when I kind of have to put my foot down about things and thankfully we do have a really supportive team. So I think they understand that. And we've, we've worked together now for the past, um, his, the, this particular team he's had for like two years there has been a couple kind of new people coming and going, but the, the base of them. So we're all like very used to each other. And we're, like I said, we're just, we're so, so lucky to have them and I can't wait to get back to them. Truly. I cannot wait. <laughs> what, what have you, have you had any trouble explaining to Logan why he's at home? Does he understand what's happening I without think, getting into two, I, you know, you don't want to scare them with the virus right. and all of these things. So yeah. how much yeah. detail have you shared with them? So when he first came, when we first were quarantined, his teacher sent home like a big packet of kind of like hard copies of worksheets and stuff to work on with him. And there was a little, um, just like printed out sort of kids booklet kind of explaining coronavirus. So, and, and my daughter actually had a similar kind of packet situation sent home from our preschool class. So we read both of those to the kids. And I mean, because Logan is nonverbal, it's hard to know like how much he's comprehending, but I like personally, I think he understands everything. So I just operate under that assumption that even yeah, if he good. can express it, mm -hmm. that he, he fully like understands everything that's going on. So we do talk about it in, in a real way with him and with Liliana and Liliana talks about it all the time. Like she'll say like, Oh, I can't wait till coronavirus is over and I can go back <laughs> to dance class. You know, like she knows. And my, my sister-in-law came by the other day and they were just like on the porch and we were social distancing. She was dropping something off and her, but her son was like, Liliana, let's play ring around the Rosie. And she's like, we can't cause of coronavirus. <laughs> so I feel like he probably understands as much as she does. So I'm, I'm, like I said, operating on the assumption that he gets it. I think it's definitely hard for him. Like I said, I, I know he misses his people just as much as, as we do. Um, but he's, I mean, I think he's handling it well. Like I said, we've had some definite challenges over the past couple weeks, but like given the circumstances, I'm extremely proud of how well he's handled it. That's good. I love hearing that. And I yeah. love hearing all the progress he makes so quickly and it just gives a lot of parents hope, I'm sure, for, you know, the development of their kids that are around yes. Logan's age. And even those of us with older kids, I mean, I never lose hope. There's always going to be something that, um, you know, mm -hmm. Skylar will advance in and, and become independent in some skill or another. So I'm, I'm keeping mm -hmm. pushing, but I just, I'm so grateful for, for you starting the podcast and almost, you know, kind of starting this ball rolling with people being more open with their stories and, and sharing of ideas and, their journey along the way with each other. Um, your podcast is fantastic. And um, again, for anyone who hasn't downloaded it or checked it out, it's Adventures in Autism. Um, and Megan, I just thank you so much for taking the time away from three kids and a podcast and a spouse and everything else you're doing. To talk no, this to was me. a break. This was a little break for me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the kind words. That is so sweet. And I, I really do feel like you know, it's a personal decision whether you want to, you know, share your story publicly or not. But I think the more of us that do, like I said, just kind of raise that awareness, like that's where an acceptance comes in. And the, the more, you know, 
quote unquote normal we show our lives are because this is my normal. This is my mm-hmm. everyday. I just think we're, you know, we're setting things up for a better tomorrow. I agree. What a great way to end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And I will be talking to you soon, hopefully on Zoom with, um, you know, a cocktail in our hands. Again. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yes. Thank you, Lori. Thank you All for right. having me. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.